Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 153 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Have you ever taken a step back and answered the question to yourself, why do I hunt? What is the lure of hunting that keeps me coming back year after year, season after season, working to make my skill set better and to learn even more about the resource, the wildlife, and conservation? Why do we do it? In the broadest sense, hunting is a lifestyle. It is an interest and impulse that continues year-round through many related activities and adds significance even to unrelated experiences. Basically, hunting is a seasonal recreation that has been enjoyed by many millions of people in the United States and beyond for more than a century. It is a unique sensation combining anticipation, mental alertness, awareness, tension, and physical exertion. Hunting is exciting, intriguing, challenging, and fulfilling. It is one of those often exhausting forms of relaxation. Those of us who do understand. It's very difficult to explain this to someone who has never experienced these emotions and what it takes to be a good hunter, a good woodsman, and a good wildlife biologist and conservationist when out in the field. Hunting is as much a state of mind as it is an activity. Explaining the thrill of the chase can be very difficult to comprehend such as the excitement of hang gliding, whitewater kayaking, or even downhill skiing or rappelling. Fewer Americans than in generations past understand the values and why we do what we do while hunting. 
So what is hunting? Hunting is the pursuit of anything with the intent to possess it. Hobbies such as stamp collecting, rock collecting, baseball card collecting are very similar to hunting, fishing, and trapping, only the specific objectives and tools that are used are much different. There are three basic types of hunting. Substance hunting is taking wild animals in order to survive or maintain cultural identity and tradition. In North America, some native people and a few others still engage in substance hunting. Market hunting is killing wild animals for commercial profit. Once practiced extensively in this country, it helps supply a new nation with food and other necessary animal products. But during those early years, such hunting was unregulated and very destructive. Year-round hunting with no limits on the kind or number of animals killed led to the destruction, reduction, and local elimination or even extinction of some of our wildlife species. Nearly all market hunting was outlawed in the United States by the beginning of the 20th century. Then we have recreational hunting. This is what the rest of this podcast is going to focus on, and that is simply the pursuit of certain wildlife species for personal satisfaction with an intent to kill and possess one or more individual animals. Recreational hunting is regulated according to biological principles and sound management experience. It is also predicated on an ethical code of behavior that includes fair chase, sportsmanship, safety, and conservation. Currently, there are about 19 million recreational hunters in the United States. One unique trait of recreational hunting compared with most other wildlife-associated recreational activities is the kill. The perceived potential for a kill is a necessary aspect of hunting. Without that potential, what would be a hunt simply becomes a hike or a nature walk. However, a kill is not a requirement of a hunt. Hunting neither begins nor ends with killing. In fact, many hunts do not result in a kill. But every hunt is successful when the hunter achieves personal satisfaction from their total experience, which includes anticipation of the possibility of a successful hunt. This anticipation is essential to the thrill of the chase. Recreational hunting is a personal quest to attain certain satisfactions from your own point of view and challenging yourself to do better time after time again. This quest is the essence of hunting regardless of whether a kill is made or not. One important reason that hunting exists and is supported by professional wildlife managers is that it's useful as a wildlife management tool. Hunting provides a mechanism to manage wildlife populations, control social and environmental damages that are caused by some wildlife, and to generate reliable funding for conservation. These practical reasons are secondary to providing millions of people an enjoyable and rewarding form of recreation. 
research has showed the principal reason for participation in hunting is that meaningful personal satisfactions and benefits are attained with each hunting experience. Some of these personal satisfactions may be spending more time in nature with family and friends, or just breaking away and having your own relaxation time away from the daily grind of work and the stresses that go along with everyday living. Whatever the reason, hunting is a personal choice and expectations are set individually by the hunter every single time he or she goes out into the field. So let's dive a little bit deeper into wildlife and huntable species. According to the Wildlife Management Institute, in the broadest context, wildlife includes all animals that do not depend on direct human association for daily survival. This definition includes thousands of species in North America, from spiders to sparrows to skinks and skunks. A very small number of these species are hunted. Of more than 1,150 species of birds and mammals in North America, only about 145, which equates to about 12.5%, are legally sought by recreational hunters. Species legally hunted in the United States today generally possess three characteristics. There is a usefulness of flesh, fur, or hide. There's an ability to replace the annual population losses, including those due to regulated hunting and the elusiveness or similar behavior that provides a unique or traditional challenge to hunters. In colonial America, by contrast, any animal species that settlers considered useful could be, and usually were, hunted for subsistence or for market hunting. Value judgments about individual species, as well as the roots of the American hunting tradition, were established during those early years. Following the colonial era, dramatic environmental and social changes were underway. Many useful wildlife populations declined due to habitat loss and unregulated exploitation by humans. Thereafter, the abundance or lack of abundance of a wildlife species became a dominant factor influencing whether or not it was hunted. Wildlife management as a science emerged in the early 1900s. Based on new knowledge from research, wildlife managers were able to determine which populations were huntable or not huntable according to the species' biological capabilities to survive and thrive under regulated hunting conditions. Some species were found to lack that capability because of low reproductive rates or their limited habitat. Others possessing the necessary biological capabilities, but they still declined, were found to have succumbed to widespread habitat destruction, or they may have been hunted so intensely that their capability to recover fully and maintain the populations was exceeded. In a variety of ways, wildlife managers used this new knowledge to aid in the restoration of many of these reduced population numbers. 
Just because a plentiful wildlife species was considered useful and determined to be huntable from a biological standpoint, it did not necessarily mean that it would continue to be hunted. Those that provided more sporting satisfactions, including tradition, were the most desired and subsequently were authorized by state or federal wildlife agencies to be hunted under regulated conditions. Species authorized for regulated hunting were then classified as game. It has been argued that the word game in the context of wildlife and hunting was derived from the Greek word gamos, meaning marriage or joining, such as a special kindred relationship. A modern definition is animals worthy of pursuit by humans. Today, the words game and sport have a much broader connotation to society, and the original meanings with respect to hunting have been obscured. Those terms are now generally associated with carefree, trivial, or casual diversions in which the principal motivation is amusement. Nearly all people, including hunters, object to the idea of killing animals simply for amusement. Hunting can be a diversion or a vacation from the human condition, as well as a quest for enjoyment and satisfaction. But to imply that it is merely killing for amusement greatly misrepresents the essence of hunting as well as the motivations of most all hunters. So what is our place in nature? Humans are animals. Like all other animals, humans, even those in large cities, are dependent upon one another and other natural resources for survival. We have always been, we still are, and we always will be a part of rather than a part from nature. Humans, turtles, mallards, and bears are omnivores or animals that eat both animal and plant foods. In this country, humans can choose to eat fresh fruits and vegetables, wild game, domestic livestock, factory processed foods, or any combination of these. Whatever their choice, the environment is the source of all foods. Animals that kill other animals for food are called predators. Those they kill are called prey. Most omnivores, including humans, are predators. All predators possess certain advantages in capturing and killing prey. Fangs, talons, and venom, for example, are physical advantages of some predators. The primary human predatory advantage, however, is our intelligence. This advantage has enabled humans to create a wide variety of devices, such as fences, refrigeration equipment, incubators, supermarkets, bows and arrows, guns and ammo, and so on, in order to enhance our ability to obtain animal foods. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We human animals have existed for millions of years as a successful omnivore. Past societies that hunted and gathered for subsistence have been largely replaced during only the last few thousand years by those that raise domestic livestock and cultivate crops. This cultural development, along with urbanization and job specialization, has caused a large percentage of North Americans to be physically, psychologically, and behaviorally distanced from the natural environment that still ultimately sustains everyone. The small number of farmers, ranchers, and commercial fishermen who now provide our food are the primary link between us and the environment. Today in North America, most people no longer depend on hunting wildlife to obtain their food to succeed as omnivores. Nevertheless, hunting is not a natural by using our intellect and devices to obtain wild meat directly from the environment, hunters actively participate in the natural phenomenon of predator versus prey. Intentionally or not, the recreational hunter embraces a fundamental human role as part of nature. Hunting is a strong and direct link to natural processes of an environment that produces all life. From an ecological point of view, individuals of an animal species are less important than populations. Only populations can survive and adapt over the long term. Habitat is the foundation on which wildlife populations are built. Habitat is a particular combination of food, water, cover, and space needed by individuals and populations to live and thrive. The quantity and quality of these habitat components generally dictate the type and number of animals that can live and thrive in a particular area. Habitats are always changing, whether seasonally, annually, or even over longer periods of time. Some of these changes can be the result of seasons such as spring, fall, summer, and winter. They can be the result of natural catastrophes, such as floods, droughts, tornadoes, and wildfires, or even plant succession, such as a field growing up to become a forest, or even human action, such as damming, logging, or pollution. While the number of animals that any habitat can support is always limited, the actual population size varies, sometimes drastically, over time. Habitat changes affect the size of wildlife populations. 
During the time of year when food and cover are abundant and weather conditions are less stressful, the number of animals a habitat can support increases. Most wildlife populations respond by producing young. But during the winter months where the conditions are harsher, the habitat components needed by many species typically are on the decline. There simply is not enough food to sustain all the individuals produced in the summer, and many of these individuals in this population succumb to predation, disease, exposure to the elements, accidents, or many other stresses that exist in nature. Death is a vital and natural part of the dynamic environment. It is the final and inevitable stage in the life of all individual animals. It is also a necessary process in the continuation of the animal species and their populations. Most wildlife species compensate for the inevitable losses they incur by producing even more young every summer than can possibly survive throughout the year. Natural selection is the process by which individuals that are unable to compete in a particular habitat are eliminated. These individuals that die oftentimes are young, weak, wary, or sometimes just unlucky. Those who survive tend to be the best suited to reproduce and replenish the population the following breeding season. The fact that some wild animals can be killed by hunters on an annual basis while the population is sustained from year to year is based on a wildlife population's ability to replace the loss of some of these individuals. Wild animal populations are renewable resources. The individuals that die, whether from hunting or other natural causes, will be replaced the following spring by the survivors, provided the habitat remains essentially unchanged. A good example would be talking about the annual population cycle of Bob Whites. The bobwhite quail has a high reproductive capacity. Typically, they produce 12 to 15 or even more eggs in a single nest. However, both eggs and young are susceptible to predation and harsh weather. Dying begins even as reproduction begins. At the end of a nesting season, bobwhite numbers may be more than five times higher than they were at the beginning. As winter approaches, food and shelter become scarce, so some members of that population must die. By the next spring, 70 to 80% of the Bob Whites alive the summer before will have died. However, the 20 to 30% that survive will again replenish the population during the breeding season. This annual cycle continues as long as the population's habitat requirements are met. A portion of many populations, such as some of the 70 to 80% of the Bob Whites that would otherwise die each year, can be hunted and killed by humans without degrading the environment or impairing the population's well-being. Wildlife managers and biologists often use the term harvest when referring to the portion of a wildlife population killed by hunters. Harvest means, as it does in agriculture and forestry, the amount or yield of a product of the environment taken by humans. Wildlife managers and biologists strive to ensure 
that each year's harvest does not exceed a population's long-term capability to recover. Basically, this is the biological concept of a sustained yield or a guiding principle for setting hunting seasons and bag limits. Hunting laws and regulations are designed by professional wildlife biologists and managers in accordance with the annual cycle of huntable wildlife to ensure that the annual yield can be sustained. The population size, hunter harvest, and habitat of the hunted species are monitored closely by wildlife biologists and managers. If they find a particular wildlife population is not able to tolerate recreational hunting along with other causes of mortality, they recommend that hunting be reduced or even prohibited for a time in that area, allowing that population to rebound. The importance of maintaining habitat cannot be overemphasized. Individual animals killed by hunters are replaced in habitats that hunters, more than anyone else, protect. In contrast to the hunter's environmentally compatible activity, developments to accommodate the growth of human society often destroy entire wildlife habitats. That is, human developments not only eliminate many animals and entire populations, but also prevent the replacement of those animals. Nationwide, we are losing about 2,500 acres per day of habitat due to development. We can't move forward with protection and continuing our rights to hunt without knowing a piece of our past and the history with what brought us to where we are today. Thanks to regulated hunting practices and all the state conservation agencies and wildlife biologists and managers, no regulated species that has been hunted has ever been driven to extinction. You can thank a hunter for saving the wildlife, saving land and habitat, and putting more money into conservation than any other group that is out there. Habitat is enjoyed by all species, not just the game animals and the ones in which we hunt. So if you love looking out your window and watching your backyard wildlife, you can thank a hunter for putting those dollars into conservation and protecting and preserving the species and the habitat. There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters, and making memories that will last a lifetime. My name is Heidi Rayo, and you have heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.